the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Pleasant good afternoon to you. It is just five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. here on this Thursday, October the 5th edition of Lifeline. Great to have you on board. We continue to follow the story out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Of course, there's been much speculation about the reasons why. We're going to try to dive into some of the spiritual dynamic that I hope by the end of our conversation tonight will give us perhaps, if not at least, a deeper understanding of the human condition. More importantly, maybe some answers as to where we go from here. First off, a press conference earlier today in Las Vegas and the Sheriff Joseph Lombardo with an update on where the investigation stands. So today I'll provide you some updates on our investigation of the mass shooting Sunday night at Route 91. More than 100 investigators have spent the last 72 hours combing through the life of 64-year-old Stephen Paddock to produce a profile of someone I will call disturbed and dangerous. What we know is Stephen Paddock is a man who spent decades acquiring weapons and ammo and living a secret life, much of which will never be fully understood. He meticulously planned on the worst domestic attack in United States history. As many of you already reported, Paddock rented a room at the Ogden Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. This has been confirmed. Okay. Reasons that ran through Paddock's mind is unknown, but it was directly during the same time as Life is Beautiful. We have received recovered um, evidence from that location. We don't know if it is evidence, but we have recovered items um, and uh, video uh, evidence. And I don't want to, you know what, I'm using the wrong term. Evidence is not the term. We have recovered video from there to review uh, Mr. Paddock's actions while he was there. Now, it's important for you to understand, this was not, the rooms were not rented by the Ogden. It was done through Airbnb uh, by a private owner unknown to the Ogden. Um, so we have very great cooperation from the owners of Life is Beautiful and the Ogden, and they're in full cooperation. All right, there is uh, the update, at least so far, regarding the ongoing investigation. It will be months, if ever, before we fully understand what really transpired that led to this tragic shooting, which on Sunday claimed the lives of 59 and left 527 others injured. Joining me now with some insight to all of this, particularly as we try to grapple with the the spiritual dynamic of what has transpired here is Dr. Alex McFarland. He is religion and culture expert, director of Christian Worldview and Apologetics at North Greenville University. He also co-hosts America Family Radio's Exploring the Word talk show. And as always, Dr. McFarland, I'd like to have you on the program. 
Well, thank you very much. I, I wish we had a, a more pleasant topic to discuss, but it is always an honor to be on with you, Craig, and I appreciate your time. Let's, uh, let's try to kind of reason together here as the Bible exhorts us to do so. I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, from your perspective as a Christian apologist, as someone who has served in pastoral ministry, um, as you have researched the human condition from God's perspective, I, I'm, I'm curious, what, what turns you away from society in the case of Stephen Paddock, where you look down at a crowd and don't see fellow human beings, but rather see targets? Yeah, I mean, it could be one of a number of things. Uh, and as the recording said, uh, I don't know that we can ever fully know. I mean, it could boil down to one of three things. I mean, if it's depression and hopelessness and, and just resignation that life has no meaning, uh, sometimes people lash out because of that, and I want to come back to that. It could be just pure, rank evil, just the, the malice and the hatred of one fallen, sinful human heart to um, take their pain and exact pain on others. And it could be a worldview issue. Uh, ISIS continues to claim credit for this, and this was on the businessinsider.com just two hours ago, that um, there is still um, evidence trickling out. How credible, I'm not sure yet, but ISIS is claiming that six months ago uh, Stephen Paddock had converted to Islam, and ISIS claims that uh, they have a, a tie to this and are claiming credit. Um, but whether or not that's true, we, we can't really know yet. But let's talk about just um, depression, because that is something that so many people are susceptible to. Um, when I'm counseling people, I, I often talk about three Ps, personal, pervasive, and permanent. We often tell ourselves, um, you know, I, nothing ever goes my way. Uh, the world is against me. It's, you know, the, the state I'm in is personal, and my whole life is a wreck. It's pervasive, and nothing's ever going to change. And I don't know that Paddock was like this, but a lot of people get in a dark place when they tell themselves that they have no hope, they have nothing to lose, and they do something drastic. Um, at this point, we know what he did was, was evil. It was malicious. It was, it was full of nothing but hate. And, and gall. Um, and let me just say this. The, the Word of God says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, regardless of whether it was motivated by ISIS or depression or just pure evil. Um, this is demonic. Um, Satan could not kill God, so he's tried to harm the ones made in God's image. And that, that's a very sad thing, that human life, the high casualty count, has been the result of the sin and the fallenness of this world. And, and, and there's certainly, I think, uh, undeniably, part of the answer must be that we're never going to fully know. I don't know that if we could sit him down one-on-one, -on -one, interview him today, that we could ever fully know. I recall, my goodness, this is probably 15 years ago, maybe more, Dr. James Dobson sat down with Ted Bundy 
um, right. a notorious serial killer that had killed a number of women in the Pacific Northwest. He had been, of course, eventually arrested for his crimes, um, tried, convicted, and was just a, a day before facing uh, execution, sat down with Dr. Dobson. And, and Dobson tried to get into his head, tried to understand what would motivate a person to do this? And I don't know if at the end of the day we really learned much from that. I think sometimes the answer is simply we'll never fully understand. And yet I look at this and say, gee, this seems to be reminiscent of a reference to Bay Areans that have been here for a long time will recall. Like the 101 California shooting that happened in the Financial District of San Francisco on a Friday afternoon about 20 years ago when a disgruntled former employee walked into this office building and had an automatic weapon with him and decided he was going to even the score. And there were a number of people that died that day. But there was at least a connection with, well, he's angry, he's upset, he's lashing out, he is targeting people that he didn't like, people that criticized him, targeting the people that fired him. So at least we can make a little tie to logic there. In this case, you wonder, what kind of angst does a 64-year-old retired accountant a bookish type person have against a crowd of people that he doesn't know, has never met, has no connection with whatsoever that motivates him to go rent a hotel suite and end up expressing his anger by murdering, I mean, engaging in in mass murder here. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Thoreau said that men lead lives of quiet desperation. I mean, we never know what's going on behind the heart and mind of another person. Here's an accountant. You know, accountants are known to be kind of a not the, the most energetic, exciting group. You know, they're oftentimes just lead quiet, meticulous lives, and yet uh, there was a whole world of planning and plotting going on in Paddock's mind. Um, let, let me say what we, we really can't legitimately conclude. And I know a lot of my atheist friends, and, and several have emailed me already, they'll say, okay, where is your God in all of this, in all of this bloodshed and carnage? Uh, there must not be a God. If there is no God, if there is, if there's no God, no ultimate standard of righteousness and morality, then the Las Vegas shooting is, is not a tragic thing, it's just a thing. Because the only way that we can meaningfully or legitimately say uh, one action is good, another action is bad, is, is if there is an objective standard of goodness against which we measure. We can say uh, the, the life of a Mother Teresa was good, the life of an Osama bin Laden was bad, because Mother Teresa's life more closely conforms to an ultimate unchanging standard of good. And so as, as hard as this is, and I think about Lewis, Lewis said, uh, you know, when there is no answer, God himself is the answer before his face questions flee away. Um, and I don't mean to sound trite or, or pat or, or glib in this answer, but what this shows is how desperately people need the Lord and how desperately our nation needs the Lord. And I was on a show earlier, Craig, today, and I, and I said, listen, um, we as a nation individually, corporately, we need the Lord. I mean, we need to get on our face and say, God, um, please protect us, comfort us. God, forgive us of our sins, personal and national. And we, we really, in this nation, we need Jesus Christ. And uh, 
I, I pray that the Spirit of God will draw people to the Lord, and, and at this time, they will turn to Him. Well, and, you know, let, let's take that example that you cite and expand upon it for a moment, because as much as at times like these, we question what makes a person do something like this. Why do they act out with such violence? Why do they do this terrible thing and take so many lives? And we focus all of the questions towards what motivated this person to do what we have determined or labeled as evil. And yet, if we pause for a moment and say, well, what makes the first responders run toward the gunfire, not away from it? What made the unarmed security guard go to that 32nd floor and attempt to distract and confront the gunman, and he ended up taking a bullet for it? What makes people watching death and carnage all around them throw themselves on top of two young girls that weren't even related to them, were in fact unknown to them other than somebody that happened to be a fellow concert goer, and shield their bodies from the gunfire. What motivates people to do that kind of thing when the natural human reaction would be to run from danger, and instead these people ran toward danger in order to in some cases, sacrifice their own lives for the benefit of others. And so if we can say, well, one is demonstrative of evil that we would assign to a place like the pit of hell, then doesn't it seem logical that the other we can assign to good that will be demonstrative of what emanates out of heaven itself? Mm. You you make great points, because uh, while there was terrible evil, there was also heroism and valor, selflessness. Um, and, you know, uh, if, if we are able to legitimately uh, condemn the one, we've got to also be able to recognize and praise the other. And all of this, and, and I, believe me, I realize it takes a little bit of, uh, you know, we have to put on our thinking cap here and we have to pause from knee-jerk emotional reactions or emotionalism. But we live in a theistic world, and the, the best answer for the world as we see it, as we understand it, is... Um, there are things that are objectively wrong. There are, conversely, things that are objectively right. We must live in a world of, of moral truth. There is righteousness, but there's also sin. And what we saw was an outgrowth of a fallen, sinful nature. Um, you know, really, um, some people see the war- human beings as inherently, fundamentally good. And Christianity says, okay, people are sinful. People fundamentally are not good. They're fallen. However, God loves them. They're valuable to God. Uh, Craig, I was in New York City about a year ago to be interviewed by um, a very well-known journalist, guaranteed this person is a household name to everybody listening. And um, I was sharing the gospel with this person. Um, And I'm not going to use their name because we have an ongoing uh, conversation. But this person said, um, I disagree with your assertion that people are sinful. People are basically good. People are not sinful. And um, he had mentioned that he had two daughters. And we were in New York City, and I said, do you let your two daughters, 8 years old and 12 years old, do you let your two daughters go to Times Square alone on New New Year's Eve? He said, of course not. I said, why not? He said, well, uh, come on. I mean, you don't let an 8- and a 12-year-old go to Times Square alone on New Year's Eve. I said, well, but you said people are inherently good. People are basically good. In a world of thousands of good people, you should not have a problem letting your children out at night. The reason you don't is because deep down we know people are not good. 
I mean, people can do good, but people have a sin nature. And only Christ can tame the human heart, forgive the guilty conscience, and give new life that can bear fruits of righteousness, selflessness, charity. Uh, Christ can change us, and each and every one of us needs that change. Today, looking through the spiritual dynamic of the tragedy of Las Vegas. Dr. Alex McFarland is with us. We'll take a brief time out. If you want to jump into the conversation with a comment or a question for Dr. McFarland, now is a great time to do it. We'll open up the phone lines, 888 That's 888 888- F-O-R-K-F-A-X. There are broader dynamics here that we can get into. I know there's a lot of talk about gun control and things of this sort. Um, And, I mean, it it can run the gambit in terms of how do we best respond. And I guess ultimately uh, the question that I'm posing for you tonight is, from a Christian standpoint, how do we best respond to this? 888-367-5329-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. 520, let's uh, pause and get you an update on traffic. We've got the latest for you at the KFAX Traffic Center with Michael Bennett. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. A visit tonight with Dr. Alex McFarland. He is a leading Christian apologist. He also is the director of the Christian Worldview and Apologetics at the North Greenville Greenville University. Dr. McFarland, we've been talking, trying to reason through all of this. One of the things that, of course, came out in the immediate moments of the aftermath of this tragedy as well, a call for greater gun control. And, 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 and I suppose at certain levels there might be some veracity, uh, particularly in terms of the wanton access to um, the bump stock and the ability to turn a weapon into essentially an automatic weapon. Um, you got to wonder what the guy needed 33 guns for. Obviously, we know now, sadly enough. I, I will admit that I don't have a, a dog in this fight in the sense that I've Unless uh, unless the county fair co- uh, counts, I've never shot a gun in my life, although I believe in the value and the importance of respecting the Second Amendment, and yet you kind of grapple through the idea that, well, if we outlaw guns somehow, is that really going to stop evil people from being evil, or will they just find another way? Mm. Yeah, uh, really, and I definitely do believe in our Second Amendment right to uh, own a firearm and to defend oneself. And let me say not only the Constitution and the historical precedent of our country, but the Word of God. Uh, God gives to individuals and to nations the right to self-defense. And, you know, if you look at uh, the places where um, gun ownership is controlled, if not banned, when, when firearms become contraband, criminals still get access to weapons of choice, including firearms, and um, I believe it. I think two centuries of our nation's history bore it out. Um, what we need is not gun control, but self-control. Mm. And, and we, need, we need morality. Um, I think about this, how the Ten Commandments are fought against groups like the ACLU that work so hard to fight against any public um, display of the Ten Commandments because they argue that it violates the First Amendment, which it does not. First Amendment says uh, that the Congress will not establish religion. But recognition of moral law or, or natural law is not the establishment of religion. To recognize 
the moral code that the human race has known and lived by for 6,000 years, which includes the admonition not to murder. That's not the establishment of religion. Uh, it's, it's merely the recognition and, frankly, the promotion of some ethical moral boundaries that we do need to pass on to our kids, we do need to trumpet and proclaim. And, and what we need to do is not disarm the citizenry so that uh, we can't protect ourselves. What we need to do is teach morality. Now, there will, there will always be miscreants and murderous people. In a fallen world, there are always going to be some people that, that murder. But look, uh, let me say this. If Paddock were an abortion doctor helping kill 3,000 babies a day, not only would we not criticize him, he would get government subsidy. Well, and it's funny you mentioned about the Ten Commandments because it had dawned on me that just about the time that Stephen Paddock was um, coming of age and entering junior high school is when the Supreme Court decision concerning prayer in the Bible in the public classroom came down, making that supposedly unconstitutional. I've got to wonder, is there a point in our society at which we look back on these things and say, hmm, yeah, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Let's get to some of your calls. We've got Robert in Vallejo. Robert, thanks so much for calling. You're on Lifeline with Dr. Alex McFarland. Hi, Craig. Hi, Dr. McFarland. I'm in Concord, California, driving to Vallejo, driving home right now, and I heard your discussion. I just wanted to make a couple of comments and and maybe uh, hear you address it off the air. Um, one would be the sovereignty of God in this matter and how we are all appointed to die and then face judgment. And so is God sovereign over this? And secondly, yes, it's going to be a tragedy when these people died. I could die right now, um, and that would be a tragedy, not to be able to see my children. But the bigger tragedy, I think, is where people are going to go after they die, um, to be with Christ or to to perish eternally. And that brings up the question of evangelism and such as well. I just wanted to see what you think about these two comments. All right. Some good observations. Thank you for your call, Robert. Uh, let's, let's begin with that first one. And we often hear this intonated by people that are struggling, particularly when they've suffered tremendous loss, and they say, well, why wasn't God there? Why didn't God prevent this from happening? How does something like this, where you see such a horrifying carnage and so many, I mean, it's not just the 59 people who lost their lives and those that were injured, but their family and their extended families. And you talk about thousands of people that have been scarred by all of this, and you say, why does God let this happen? Why just didn't he say moments before Stephen Paddock was about to fire the first shot to strike him dead with a heart attack? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and thank you for listening, uh, and thank you for calling, sir. Um, the sovereignty of God, yes, uh, it means that God is in control. Uh, God didn't cause this. Uh, God did permit this. But, you know, we're sorry for the lives that were lost. But, you know, as the Chicago Tribune said, quote, countless lives were saved. So uh, God sovereignly um, moved people to um, do what they could do to help um, shield people and save lives and help the wounded. And and a lot of good was um, demonstrated. Even as, as evil was perpetrated, a lot of good was displayed. Um, God is in control, and the fact is, the caller mentioned Hebrews 9.27, which says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Think about it. Every one of us, 
every one of us has um, a date with our own mortality, and God knows when that is. Uh, life is a gift. Life, life is very precious. Life is sacred. We should cherish it and guard it. But the fact is, every one of us, either through just the natural passage of time, uh, an illness, an accident, or, heaven forbid, violence, every one of us is going to leave this world. And the most uh, pertinent question is that we be ready that we be ready. Jesus Christ, who rose from the grave, said if we would see him, believe in him, we would be given everlasting life, John 6, verse 40. And so I appreciate the caller. The caller is right on the money. The most important question of all, do you have Christ? Are your sins forgiven? Do you know the Lord? And I would just remind everyone listening, he's as close by as a prayer. And so if you're not sure that you're forgiven, not a Christian, call on Christ today. He will receive you. He will forgive you. He will save you. I think also in in answer to the question, well, what good can come of something like this? We've certainly seen um, great displays of heroism by people at the concert that shielded others from being further injured, people that rushed to the scene, both just civilians as well as first responders to to help alleviate further pain and suffering and address the issue as best that they could under the circumstances. So that's part of it. But the other thing, too, is if when we see something like this, it causes us all to pause and say, wow, that could have been me. You know that the overwhelming percentage of people that were injured and killed were all Californians? Hey, head down to Las Vegas for the weekend, go catch a concert, go see a show, whatever, right? If we pause for a moment and say, and and the caller Robert alluded to this, he could be killed on the freeway driving home right now. If we pause for a moment and say, are we piddling away our time or are we living life to the fullest? Are we putting off the things that we know we should do today when it comes to making the right decisions, caring for family, things of that sort, or are we continuing to procrastinate? If we pause for a moment and say, wow, something as innocent as going to a country music festival and you don't come back ought to, I think, cause all of us to pause and say, are we really fully appreciating this tremendous gift of the time that God has given us here on earth, or do we need to reconsider the way we're investing that time? Let's pause for a moment. We're going to come back to more of the conversation, more of your calls, too. If you want to jump in, we're wandering through the morass of trying to understand what gets into the mind of somebody who does something as horrific as this. Certainly, there seems to be a growing body of evidence to suggest that this was not something that came out of a vacuum, but rather was months in the planning. We have today information to suggest that the killer had visited other hotels, other sites, had traveled to cities like Boston and Chicago to scope out the landscape there. Clearly, he was bent on going to a spot and engaging in as much carnage claiming as many human lives as he possibly could. In an ironic how the enemy of our soul, Satan, has the exact same goal in mind. What motivates something like this to, to, to come about in a person's mind? I don't know that we'll ever fully understand that, but we do, from a biblical perspective, have understanding about this, don't we? 
We're going to continue the conversation. If you'd like to jump in with a comment or a question, love to hear from you, too, at 888-367-5329, 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. You want to comment about the gun control angle of all of this, to or not to? Um, you're certainly welcome to opine on that as well. Want to talk about what we should be doing to maybe revisit this question, as Dr. McFarland suggested earlier, of, well, now that we've exercised influence of the Scripture from the public classroom, we've made it illegal to post the Ten Commandments because heaven knows we don't want our kids to be exposed to messages of things like, oh, I don't know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt honor thy mother and father, thou shalt not kill. Can we somehow stem the tide of this, or is America past that point? Triple eight three six seven five three two nine eight 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 F O R K F A X. All right. Going to head back over to the KFAX Traffic Center and get you another update on traffic. Michael Bennett's got the latest here at 535. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to the conversation with Christian apologist, best-selling author, Dr. Alex McFarland. We're talking about the tragedy in Las Vegas and attempting to try to make some sense out of it, at least from a spiritual dynamic. I, I couldn't help but wonder, Dr. McFarland, when it was uncovered that Stephen Paddock's father had been on the FBI most wanted list for a good period of time, wanted as a bank robber, considered armed and dangerous. Uh, He eventually got caught and was brought to justice. And while I understand from news reports and interviews with the younger brother, Eric, that family really had no contact with the father during the period of time that he was on the run, You've got to wonder whether there's some dynamic here, as, as we see in Scripture, of the, the sins of the father visited upon the son here. Was there something which he wanted to emulate his father or, or wanted to gain some level of, of notoriety equal to or greater than his father? Sure. Uh, well, you know, the old saying, children learn what they live. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's a multi-layered problem in our culture, uh, and the answer is really multifaceted, too. As we said earlier in the show, it's a spiritual problem. We need to humble ourselves before God. But we must rebuild the family. Uh, l- let me say, uh, it's all about worldview, really. Uh, your worldview determines what you think of, of human beings, the value you place on human life, uh, what you think might be an appropriate way to express your feelings, your emotions, your, your stresses, your anxieties. And just to lash out, whether this was um, motiv- motivated by Islam or whether it was just the result of some twisted conclusion in the mind of Stephen Paddock, um, we're, as we've said, and you do such a phenomenal job talking about on your broadcast, but we're, we're in a battle of worldviews. And again, as we were talking about um, the Ten Commandments, or you can call it natural law, um, C.S. Lewis called it the law of general beneficence, uh, to say uh, people are sacred, they're made in God's image, uh, we don't murder, we, we do treat people with respect, uh, we show love and compassion, not hatred and violence. Um, these are worldview issues, and Paddock was living out his worldview, uh, twisted and tragic as it was. Um, I look at our nation, and I ponder our future, and to the militant secularists, I would have to say, what would be so wrong? What would be so wrong with telling current and upcoming generations that there is right and wrong, and we are to do what's right, we're to avoid what's wrong? To to the militant secularists, 
uh, like American atheists and the ACLU and the liberal progressives that want to make this a socialist, godless, secularized utopia, understand this is what you will get. This and more of this. God forbid. And as we've suggested, when you try to create this vacuum where everything is is neutral and clearly from a scriptural standpoint, from a biblical worldview, we're going to say, well, the source of our morality is God himself, not only through the instruction that we are left within the pages of scripture, but I believe, too, that he gives us a conscience that is formed and fashioned in such a way that at a level we understand, uh, based on uh, the rules of natural law, that there is a right from a wrong. And yet it seems as if the mainstream, particularly in education today, has worked so hard to try and erase those realities for fear of offending somebody, not presenting a balanced perspective, uh, fear of somehow violating the Establishment Clause. I always find it fascinating how we will run roughshod over the Constitution right and left, but boy, they bring up religion and suddenly we got to be careful we don't violate the Establishment Clause or exactly. terrible things and, are going to happen. And, and, and yet, let us say it again, religion and morality are two different things. Uh, precisely it, so. It, and yet yeah. in, in, in misunderstanding of one, we have ultimately pushed away or disenfranchised ourselves from the other. And, and you've got to wonder, but if what we're seeing with the, the, the trends in society today, if this isn't a direct correlation, if this isn't the direct result of that. Well, and, you know, studies show that three-fourths of criminals um, that don't go through with an act of violence against another person, when, when a criminal believes that their potential victim is armed and can defend themselves, three-fourths of criminals... That, that don't go through uh, have, have admitted that when, when their victim is armed, they, they decline. They, they don't do what they're planning to do, or at least they, they you know, second-guess it. And gun control, to disarm the population, uh, the, the people like myself that want to legally um, own a firearm and be trained, my wife and myself both, um, legally, through all the right channels, have, have learned how to use a firearm to protect ourselves and our family. Here's the thing. Um, all of the people that want to disarm the population, that believe there is no objective moral truth, in reality, it's, it's their selective morality that's being, being imposed. Let me explain. Um, if they say, look, there, there is no God, there is no moral truth, you know, we can redefine the family, we can redefine gender, we can set up our own morality. Um, uh, there is no morality, but it would be wrong for you to own a gun. Well, okay, there, there's no morality, we're told, except the selective morality that piecemeal is chosen by the left and then imposed on the population. So the question is not, will we live in light of moral assertions? question is, are we going to live in light of the, the true, valid, legitimate moral proposition? Well, and you, you, you drill down into a very important point here that I want to get into in depth when we come back after the break, and that is 
I, I mentioned earlier that we have seen the steadfast march over the last 50 years, um, heading towards 60, to eradicate God from the public square, eliminate any influence of organized religion, Judeo-Christian ethic. Well, that needs to be taken out because the atheist might be upset or a Muslim might be upset, on and on the list goes, and that we've somehow created this morals vacuum. Well, the reality is a a vacuum really can't exist, Uh, certainly not in this scenario. So what happens is when you remove God, biblical authority, the the baseline, evangel- I'm sorry, the, the baseline um, Judeo-Christian ethic, something will replace that. Something will be drawn in to replace that, to fill that vacuum. So really, then, at the end of the day, it's not dispensing of one to leave us with nothing. It's dispensing of one that ends up sucking in the other. And so this is really two diametrically opposed, opposite worldviews. That's really what's at play here. Now, where do we see an example of that? Oh, that's right, in Scripture. It's the battle between heaven and hell, good and evil, God and the enemy. The good news is we've read the end of the book. We know who wins. But meanwhile, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that somehow by eliminating the influence of organized religion, Judeo-Christian ethics, Scripture, that we're going to be left with nothing. Because no, what we're left with are the results of the carnage we saw Sunday night. What we are left with is the opposing worldview being suddenly drawn into that vacuum. We'll explore that deeper when we come back with our conversation. Noted author and Christian apologist, Dr. Alex McFarland, on this edition of Lifeline. All right, 12 away from the hour. Let's get you that update. Traffic-wise, back over to the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael Bennett, any improvement out there? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. But what went right is we saved hundreds of lives. In an event, and this guy having the ability with those weaponry, uh, the carnage that could occur outside of what did occur, uh, a lot more was prevented uh, because of our police action in short time and private security action in short time uh, to save some lives. All right, welcome back to the conversation. There is Sheriff Joseph Lombardo commenting at a press conference earlier today on the ongoing investigation concerning the tragedy that unfolded Sunday night in Las Vegas. Uh, Once again, I think there's an important part of this dynamic to realize. As much criticism that has been heaped on police departments across the country over the last many, uh, well, since Ferguson, uh, and, and and let me quick to add, and some of it deservedly so, let's also not fail to recognize these heroes when they deserve to be recognized. And anybody who puts on a uniform every day and goes out into the unknown and risks their life, in this case runs toward the bullets and not away from them, to rescue other people, I think, need to be acknowledged for the absolute heroes that they are. I completely agree. Well said. Well said, because, you know, um, it's it's been my privilege to know many, many law enforcement officers, and I've spoken around the country in, in precincts. And um, you're right. I mean, there, there are the isolated cases 
of those that abuse their authority and do things that are unlawful. But the vast, vast, vast majority are brave, courageous, selfless, and you're right. Um, when the trouble comes, when the bullets fly, when people run for cover, 99.9% um, of all the law enforcement officers run in to help and uh, neutralize the situation. And they did, they did a masterful job there in Las Vegas bringing the situation under control. It could have been much worse. It was terrible. It was tragic. May God help our nation heal and may God grant that we never, ever, ever see anything like this again. And, but, you know, sometimes we, we joke about um, security officers, and they'll refer them refer to them as wannabes or rent-a-cops, things of this sort. Yeah. I, I think we should not, it should not be lost on anyone that the man who first confronted to distract the shooter was an unarmed security person who went up to the hotel room door once it was then identified where the shooting was coming from and banged on it. And, of course, the thank you note that he got from the shooter was a bullet in the leg. But I think that should be lost on no one. Uh, if you would, in the closing moments of our hour here, Dr. McFarland, um, speak to my observation concerning this idea that we've, we've, we've managed to slowly and surely strip God out of the public arena, uh, prohibit the influence of the Judeo-Christian ethics through things like exposure to the Ten Commandments in the public classroom, thinking somehow we're creating this, this uh, religious neutral environment when, in fact, there's nothing neutral about this. There's no vacuum about this at all. But it a, 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 it has allowed another worldview, an opposing worldview, to come violently rushing in. Speak to that, please. Sure. Well, what's crept in in the absence of the Christian worldview has been a mixture of, of secularism and Islam. And uh, the fact is you get what you subsidize. And we're, we're a culture that subsidizes. We pay for and encourage godlessness, lawlessness, death. Even our entertainment uh, glorifies uh, lawlessness and relativism and killing. And we need to, as, as de Tocqueville said in the early 19th century, we're great because we're good. If we cease to be good, we'll cease to be great. And we are, we are falling farther and farther daily from our greatness. Second Chronicles 7.14, I know, was written to ancient Israel. But just like the, the law of gravity applies to all people, these spiritual principles apply to all people. If we will call on the name of God, confess our sins, turn from sin to God, He will hear from heaven, He will forgive our sin, He will heal our land. We need God, and it takes humility to acknowledge that. But the sooner we turn to God, the sooner we'll recover the America that at this point seems to only be a faint memory. I'd like to encourage our listeners to engage people in dialogue about this very fact. Write letters to the editor. Call the secular talk shows. Do all that you can to get this dialogue started pertaining to, well, this is what happens when we've worked so hard to say we don't want God's influence. Somebody might be offended by mentioning a Bible passage, and suddenly then we have cut the mooring lines of our morality, and as our collective ship has now run without rudder or direction for all of these, these years, this is the end result. Yes, drifted out to sea. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to talk to people about Christ and remind people how individually, corporately, nationally, we need God.
We saw a major turning toward the church in the days following 9-11. This tragedy, I think, should be another opportunity for us to, to again, engage in that conversation and ultimately do what we can as the body of believers to stand up for righteousness and to be engaged in being that salt and light that God has called us to be. Because I tell you what, as much as we talked about the influence of the secularists and atheists at all who have worked in this campaign to create the so-called vacuum, right? Well, guess what? Uh, there's been a lot of failures on our side of the equation as well. Dr. Alex McFarland, as always, we appreciate your time and the insights you offer. Dr. Alex McFarland, information available on the web at alexmcfarland.com. That's Alex. McFarland.com. You can also check out the work that he does with young people at truthforanewgeneration.com. That's truthforanewgeneration.com. And there's Dr. Alex McFarland, religion and culture expert, director of Christian Worldview and Apologetics at North Greenville University. We are just here at 6 o'clock. That means it's time for us to get a look at traffic just ahead of some headline news for you. We'll start out first at the KFAX Traffic Center where we say good evening to Michael Bennett at at the tone. The time will be 6 o'clock exactly. Beep. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.